Well, after uh, a relaxing long weekend, both here and away, uh, it's time for us to get this show back on the road, Lucas. We're like a like a doctor having a martini on the weekend, or a uh, you know a, a soldier getting some R and R on the front lines. I've heard our beck and call uh, because Arthur is in the news um, of all the times <laughs> for. You know, it's not often this podcast is on the cutting edge yeah, uh, or commenting on current events because um, we're talking about uh, a TV show that originally aired in the, you know, mid to late 90s. Uh, but it turns out the one time I go away for the long weekend is the one time where, you know, Arthur's turning on Twitter. Yeah, uh, 100%. And that is absolutely our business. But I wanted to... You know, before we delve into the whole thing, I wanted to kind of make sure that everybody knows that, hey, this is Elwood City Limits, the, <laughs> uh, the episodic Arthur podcast currently in season seven. Uh, this is Will Young coming at you and Lucas Mancini, who recently had one heck of a long weekend. That's right. I am refreshed and I'm ready. It's good. It's a good thing, too, because I got to bring my best podcast game today. I believe, Will, this might be an episode here in the in the in the biz in podcast showbiz they mm-hmm. call it seeker seeker sensitive you got to make your episodes seeker sensitive for uh people who might not be established fans of the pod again we call it the pod in the biz seeker uh, but, seeker sensitive that's a new one for that's me that's right that's right because if you're just coming across you wanted to say like hmm arthur's in the news lately i wonder if there's a podcast that'll comment on it well uh welcome uh, if that hypothetical person is you, dear listener. Yeah, for sure. Welcome if this is your first episode or if this is your, what are we on? What is this? 98, 97? We're getting close. Oh my to- gosh, almost 100. Getting close to 100, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm kind of, um, uh, it's not that I'm not sure because there is one big thing that people have been emailing us about, people have been messaging us about, people have been talking about regardless uh, if they know about us or not. And uh, so I'm just trying to figure out. I say if, we do it off the top before emails, oh. and then if uh, if the emails uncover anything else, we can expunge upon it. Mm-hmm. We do have a couple of emails related to this. So if you're not aware, uh, maybe if you're coming to this podcast a bit later than this big new development, or if you're if you've just not heard of it, uh, we have started a new Arthur season on PBS in this year, 2019. And the very first episode includes, and I've and I've watched it for myself. Uh, it's called Mr. Ratburn and the Special Someone. And in brief, because I think we we may be talking about it at length at a different time. Um, in brief, it's an episode where at the very end, Mr. Ratburn gets married, and he gets married to a man, and that is the reveal that Mr. Ratburn is canonically uh, gay in Arthur. And uh, there was a lot of response to this. Again, it's it's been a while mm-hmm. since I've seen Arthur trending on Twitter, and it inspired any sort of take you can believe. Like, I mean, first of all, a lot of people were asking uh, the same question that I think I asked you when we first started this podcast, which is, Arthur's still on the air? Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was, that was a, probably the most prevalent response. But, I, you know, before the weekend, I think the response was overwhelmingly positive. Uh, I saw it making the rounds on Twitter. I saw people being really excited about it. Uh, there was a really great statement, and I think you shared this on the official Elwood City Libets Twitter from Mark Brown himself mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, why he chose... 
uh, I guess he had input on uh, the direction of the season or, or what have you, or they went to Mark Brown to check with him first, or he had some sort of involvement with the episode itself, uh, and he was talking about how uh, uh, it's important for you know children's television to be reflective of the families that uh, watch the television, and it's something that um, I was reading a CNN interview with him that he said he learned from one uh, Mr. Rogers about how you should sort of reflect the families back at them so they can see themselves represented on TV, even if it is a kid's show. So pretty overwhelmingly positive response, which is what you would hope for, right, uh, uh, to this. And I, I know, I, I guess we should talk about how we personally feel about it. I think, um, I think Mr. Rapper is absolutely a great choice for this. Um, I think it makes, I, I, makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I think that... Um, from the clip I saw, I didn't watch the full episode like yourself, but from the clip I saw, I thought it was really tastefully done. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really like it. I really like, um, and I like that, you know, we've hated on early episodes of Arthur early on in this show talking about how, you know, we don't like the flash animation and that kind of stuff, but it's, it's good to know that Arthur still kind of, um, Arthur's not quite like any other kids show it's the reason me and you do a podcast about it we've talked about this at length um and this is just another example of that because i can't think of another kids show with this kind of representation even though it's 2019 and we um you know uh, we'd like to think of ourselves as this uh, uh, evolved, you know, post-bigotry culture. It's just not true in some cases. I remember thinking to myself, like, back in the day, my little sister would watch Family Channel a lot, and she'd watch a lot of the Family Channel sitcoms with, uh, like, Hannah Montana and Sweet Life of Zack and Cody and all that stuff. And I remember even as a, a young man mar- remarking, like, those shows do not have any gay representation whatsoever. Like, there's lots of stuff about relationships on that shows, like teen relationships, but there's never any gay characters, and I always thought that was really glaring and really odd because it wasn't representative of the world I was growing up in. So, um, that being said, it's we're that much more years removed from even that, and there's still not really the representation you would want. So I think this is a huge step forward. Um, I think it's actually a fairly, you know, it sounds like I'm making a big deal out of like a kid's show, but I think this is, it is a big deal because there hasn't been something like this, even in 2019. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it because again, Arthur's different than other kid's shows in that it's, it's, uh, pointed at a very young audience, right? Like we're talking kids anywhere from five to nine here. Uh, uh, and so I think it's definitely the show pointed at the youngest audience to have an openly gay character. And I think that means, I think that counts for something. Well, it's clear that uh, you you have uh, quite a quite a few thoughts and feelings about this. So I'm glad that you uh, were able to kind of uh, present present them as such. I'm I'm glad that we were we're not neither of us are just like yeah yeah whatever. We're both. <laughs> uh, I mean I of course I of course I agree um, in terms of the well the first after it aired the re, the immediate reaction and mostly from you know fans or from people who are aware of the show or of the character. You know, being generally very positive. There's been a lot of great fan art over on Tumblr that I've been uh, that I've been privy to. Very sweet, and it's clearly inspired a lot of people and touched a lot of people. And uh, as you mentioned, Mark Brown. Yes, we. If you go over to at ECL Podcast on Twitter, you can see the video that he recorded and how he's been wanting to represent uh, LGBTQ families on TV for a long time. He tried to do so with postcards from Buster, which we may get into when we get to the mm. next season. Uh, but it was not to be in that. And that was back in the mid two thousands when it was even more difficult to be this representative 
of these types of relationships on TV. And so he seemed really, he seems really happy to be able to do this. And we've talked about that a lot. Arthur as a TV show is very representative of different walks of life in practically every respect. So I think it's long overdue that we do that for uh, sexuality as well. And and, and let me, I can tell it's a big deal because I've never been sent, like my close friends and family know I do an Arthur podcast. And I've never been sent the same thing more often uh, than in this case. Like I feel like everyone I knew, people who uh, uh, obviously aren't, you know, sniffing out every piece of Arthur news like you and I are, uh, people all over my life was sending me this information because they were like, you're the guy with the Arthur podcast. What's your take on this? So it's definitely like had an impact for sure. Mm-hmm. And I agree the way it was done in the episode was a little bit of a surprise near the end, but it was very, very well done, very tasteful, very uh, almost humble in a way. But it's, uh, it's, it's a little act that creates big waves Unfortunately, there is in there is another side to this that uh, I would like us to talk about. And before we get into that, I just want everybody to know that I mean, thankfully, at least from what I've seen, there hasn't been anything that has been like aggressively homophobic. But there is kind of something about the response, the response, the negative response that unfortunately we have to expect even in 2019. So. Hopefully that doesn't trouble any of our, our any of our listeners. And I know as well that in the past, I remember uh, back a couple of years ago, or not a couple of years ago, like maybe one or two, when uh, Charlottesville happened, and we kind of talked about that a little bit up at the top. And I and I did get a response or two from people who were just like, hey, like you know, don't want this podcast to be all political and stuff like that. And I'm anticipating that th- that may be the response from people to which I would say. This is not an issue of politics. This is an issue of treating people like humans. This is this is a this is a basic human rights kind of thing. So if that comes off, if this comes across as political to you, if anything in this kind of beginning section comes across like that, like sorry, but we're not gonna do. I, I, we're not. We're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna change the way we feel, and we're not going to uh, uh, apologize for our opinions on this. You you can feel free to disagree. If you like, but I just I don't like conflating uh, talking about this sort of thing, uh, both in a good and bad sense with politics. It, it's 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 more than that. It's different. I mean, it's completely different. I'll go as far as to say is that, uh, you know, uh, and I and I'm not speaking for us both here. Well, this is me purely speaking yeah. for myself. Yeah. But uh, uh, hey, yo, it's our podcast. So we got to do what we want. And, and we're receptive to the listeners and all that stuff. But it's like, um you know, and I'd like to say th- the the type of person that that would complain about this, uh, and, and say like, oh, you know, keep your politics out of my Arthur podcast. You know, again, it, like you said, everybody's free to do or think whatever they want. But uh, per- personally, I, I for you... lack of a better term, I truthfully disagree, and you... I think that they, uh, uh, you know, have some things to sort out. You and I are both adults, and even though we watch yeah. the show as kids, we're going to talk about it like adults, and we're also going to not talk down to our listeners as well and represent ourselves as such. So what what I'm getting around to is that there has been a, um, I will say, a response from right-wing extremists, I would call it, within America who have been condemning mm-hmm. it. I, you know, I, I was originally going to say Republicans, but I know it's like, you know, not every Republican is... It takes this kind of an issue, but we're talking about organizations like um, 
uh, one million moms who are basically again an extremist group and don't have very much political sway they're calling for arthur to be canceled and of course the thing that's been making we're recording this on uh tuesday the 21st and i know i, I it's funny i was actually kind of worried we you know weren't dropping an episode right when this episode first hit but i'm actually glad we waited now because now we can comment on this about what you're about to talk about 100 percent. so i have the news article in front of me and that's that Alabama Public Television, and unfortunately Alabama in the news recently for a lot of other really, really terrible reasons. Ghoulish reasons, yeah. Yeah. Ghoulish, very good use of the term. Uh, Alabama Public Television will not be airing this episode with Mr. Ratburn and his husband, whose name is Patrick, by the way. Uh, the director of programming, and I and I am use I will note when I'm using quotes here. I'm quoting uh, from this NBC News article. PBS sent a message to stations in mid-April, alerting them to possible viewer concerns about the content of the program. The director of programming says that parents have trusted Alabama Public Television. This is a quote for more than 50 years to provide children's programs that entertain, educate, and inspire. More importantly, although we strongly encourage parents to watch television with their children. Uh, and talk about what they've learned afterwards. Parents trust that their children can watch Alabama public television without their supervision. We also know that children who are younger than the target audience for Arthur also watch the program. Uh, Mackenzie also said if they aired it, they would take away the choice of parents who felt it was inappropriate for their children. Um, which is uh, which is utter utter this, hoopla, by this, the way. That's the, utter crap. I would I would <laughs> I would go so far as to call this cowardice. Um, yeah. And this this has a lot of people very upset. I was talking to friend of the show, uh, DJ Bob, about this uh, off air today, and he also did. If you go to the check out the DJ Bob show, he had his, he has his thoughts on that as well. He's very fired up about this. For me, it's more a sense of disappointment because I feel like as much as we feel like we live in a modern society, but especially if you're always online, like the two of us usually are, um, this type of response is incredibly disappointing, but also not unexpected to the sense of the, the idea. It it, it strikes as almost parody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like a mad TV sketch. The, the, Uh, the idea of, you know, protecting younger children, uh, and you you have and you. It's really easy to read between the lines on a story like this and be like, protect children from the fact that gay people exist and get married and want to be happy. And this just yeah. comes across to me as just utter backwards nonsense. To mm-hmm, you know, keep mm-hmm. it keep it as clean as I can. And I completely sympathize with you if if you are close to this issue in one way or another. Not I I think. In a way, we all are, but I know that there are many of our listeners who um, identify as part of the LGBTQ plus uh, umbrella, and I hope I got that right. And um, I know that this can be incredibly, not just deflating, but upsetting as well. And I really feel for you if this has, you know, been a, been a bit of a damper on your week. Um, no, it's it it sucks, and I really strongly dislike that this is still the kind of response that we have to expect from something as from an act as benign as two men getting married. It, I, you know, they, in the episode, not even two men, uh, uh, to, I mean, the meme going around, uh, uh, Twitter, uh, I, th- I, I, th- I think it's still trending. I, they're, they're, it's not even two men, uh, uh, 
Will, it's two cartoon rats. Two cartoon like, rats. Yeah. yeah, the 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 I believe the, the the hashtag is gay rat wedding. Right. Someone was complaining about a quote unquote gay rat wedding. Um, and and then uh, the Twitter sphere has uh, taken to dunking on that person, I believe. But uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I I think that you know the silver lining to stuff like this is that, and again, um, th- this is an Arthur podcast, so we'll probably stick to the the R for portion of this conversation. But you touched on this earlier, is that Alabama has recently passed other ghoulish legislation. Yes. But uh, uh, the one silver lining from something like this is, you know, think about how uh, uh, the rest of the world or the rest of, you know, the the United States uh, uh, applauded this Arthur episode. And then you think about the way, yeah. you know, the Alabama uh, 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 public television's response. And it, it's just, you should you think about, uh, you know, how the people in charge in Alabama uh, politics have been running the state and the decisions they've been making and the decisions they're likely to make. And it should uh, inspire political activism and voting in your state elections and in the upcoming federal election. Um, And I I think, um, you know, that's if there's to be any silver lining from this, I think it's the uh, the overwhelmingly positive response and mm-hmm. how this is going to be looked at in the annals of history in terms of, you know, a kid's show having a uh, gay character, one of the first I can think of, uh, especially for an audience this young. Yeah. But So that's one positive. But the other positive is that it puts a spotlight on some of the things that uh, we've gotten kind of a little complacent and have forgotten to think about. And it's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. these things are things that need to be addressed. Um, and the only way to do that is things like voting and 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 that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, that's the, the the one silver lining to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to take an opportunity. I I think I would speak for the both of us in saying that I applaud uh, the writers and the animators and all the creative people mm. on Arthur for going ahead with the storyline with Mark Brown for uh, assisting it himself. Yeah, and assisting to have it make the light of day, and to PBS as well for going forward. Uh, with the episode in production as well, so thank you very much to everybody who made that possible. Um, I I don't want to I don't want to I know that we could talk about this for a very long time, so I'm just gonna rein us both in here. You know how we feel about <laughs> the response to this from Alabama Public Television, and you can assume if there's any other sort of negative. Uh, drawbacks in the future, then you know kind of where we stand on. I also want to take this opportunity to any of our listeners who um, who do count themselves, you know what, in terms of your sexuality, your gender, um, anything in regards to that and beyond, we will always want to make sure that this podcast is a safe space for you. And I think this is important to say that we are not above criticism. Like we're both two ostensibly straight white guys. Like we're gonna sc- we're gonna screw up, and we don't want to. We don't want to Alabama this. You know what I mean? We don't want to co- like completely try to brush it under the rug or something. So this this trying to be an inclusive space for everybody, just as Arthur is an inclusive show for everybody. You know, please let us know if we ever say anything that's a little off color or you know it's or just something not completely kosher please let us know because in the in the light of news like this you realize how much um people need spaces to be safe for them that they can that they can enjoy and we don't want to exclude anybody from enjoying either arthur or our show so and that goes for any for any 
thing that you know we're not above reproach so if you ever hear something like i've been trying to take out the word crazy in my vocabulary just in my personal life because i know that that's not that's not that's something that can upset people today and for and for good reason i understand that so what i what i'm rambling about is that i want this to be an inclusive podcast for everybody but also know that you know where we stand if you don't agree then you don't have to keep listening. I give you my yeah. blessing to leave, essentially. But, w- you know, we have such a wonderful community, not just with the podcast, but with people who genuinely enjoy Arthur and kids programming. I know that it's it's a place for a lot of marginalized people to find hope and happiness in, and we want to continue to promote that. So, um, welcome. Like, when I, when I say welcome, I mean it. And we want to stand beside you as best we can, so... Down with this sort of thing from the Alabama Alabama Public Television, and thank you to everybody who made this Arthur development possible. That's what we should be celebrating. That's what we should be talking about. That I well said. Uh, that being and speaking of our speaking of our inclusive community, uh, we got some emails on deck. We sure do at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail dot com. We do. I'm going to get to the ones we do have a couple that are. Um, that are related to the recent wedding developments. So I think it's important to put those out front first. Um, this one here, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say who sent this in, just I don't want them to be put on blast, but they do ask a bit of a question here. Um, like you, I found out via Twitter that the producers of Arthur made Mr. Ratburn gay. I have absolutely no issues with that. But should they have used Arthur as a platform to highlight, highlight homosexuality? I feel like it's not the right platform to be doing this. They toyed with it once before in an episode of Postcards from Buster where they interviewed a kid with two moms, which was removed from circulation on PBS. So discuss, good or good idea or not. Uh, like I said, I don't I don't necessarily want to say this person's name because I don't want them to be... Yeah. to to. For, to invite any sort of untoward criticism. I will say that I have spoken with this person in the time since they sent this email, and I believe they kind of shifted their stance a little bit to say that uh, they see the importance of this. And, uh, Lucas, I do want to hear f- from you about this. I think it's... <laughs> when the my immediate reaction to, you know, should they have used Arthur as a platform to highlight homosexuality? Yes, full stop. Absolutely. I think... Well, more- and I, I think, I you know, I think... Um, highlight uh, highlighting homosexual quote unquote highlighting homosexuality is uh, uh, you know that's 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 targeted language. What the episode the episode's doing is simply uh, reflecting uh, the society we live in uh, back at us. There's nothing necessarily being highlighted in that. Like when there's a gay cute person in your community, that's not necessarily you know highlighting anything it's just they just are you know what i mean that, mm-hmm. that it's just the world that's it, just that's the way things are um and i think it's no more uh out of place in arthur than i always go back to this uh I, the way Har- arthur uh shows and portrays uh people of different economic or family backgrounds in terms of you know uh brains uh obviously he celebrates kwanzaa or is uh, francine's dad is a garbage collector and they live in a smaller apartment than arthur lives in or uh buster's dad and mom are divorced this is well within uh the vein of all of that stuff so i mean i guess 
moral judgments aside, to, to answer the question, if you were to frame it as, does this fit in with Arthur? I think uh, it's well fits in with Arthur. In fact, I think there are a few things as Arthur-y as uh, portraying a, uh, you know, a marriage between two gay people. I think that's, if you had told me that um, there already was an episode like this, like had I not known that this was big news and the kind of the first time, I wouldn't have uh, been surprised whatsoever, right? Because this is what we've actually come to expect from Arthur, and it's one of the reasons why I like it so much. And I think the more that we do this with uh, media directed towards young children who are meant to be educated as well as entertained, then we take this, then the hope is that we take away the stigma from mm. these types of relationships and then we make it more acceptable and norm, more normal because for goodness sakes, it is, it's people loving people and yeah. that should not be controversial, you know? So, mm. um, like I said, this this person who emailed this in, I believe, did this in good faith. Uh, so I just want to be want to thank them for asking that, and I think it does need to be talked about. And thankfully that they did it uh, in good faith. Uh, another email relating to this from Kevin Noon, one of our uh, patrons. Hey, Will and Lucas, writing to talk about Ratburn's marriage. As we all know, Ratburn was revealed as gay and marrying a man in the premiere of season twenty-two. Fun fact: the night before it aired, I said. Man, it'd be cool if Rapper was gay, but there was no way PBS would let them. Should have bought a lottery ticket. <laughs> Thankfully, I was proven wrong. Personally, the best part about it was that it was Mr. Ratburn. Normally, if cartoons have a gay character on their show, they bring in a throwaway character of the week, and you never see them again. However, Arthur had a character that we had known for years and will continue to see revealed as gay. This way, it helps kids see gay people as part of their community. It's also that I can still watch and still feel the joy of representation on Arthur, even at 18 years old. I can't even think of the last time I saw a gay teacher on TV. And as a gay man who's studying to be a teacher, I felt that joy of seeing myself on screen. Hopefully we see more of Patrick and his marriage with Ratburn. Keep up the good work. And Kevin, that's what it's all about. I'm glad that that worked as well as it did for you. Okay, so we are moving into more general emails now. Again... Thank you, everybody, for your uh, for making sure that we're up to date on this whole thing. Like I said, you know where we stand, and we welcome you. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for uh, for being with us through the the good time, the the up times and the down times. But this is more up than down for sure. Anyway, this email comes to us from Danny. Hey, fellas, Mighty Mountain always seems to be super hyped up, but can never win. Oh, Lucas, you're going to love this one. Where do you rank them in the all-time hyped-up sports teams that never performed? Are they a more disappointing team than the LeBron James Lakers? Ooh. <laughs> even, even the Shanghai Dragons from the Overwatch League had made it into oh, the Stage 2 they're... playoffs this year. The, listen, the Shanghai Dragons, they're, they 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 could do no wrong because they actually win games now. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, but the LeBron and also the LeBron Lakers. Psst, I hate to be this guy, but mm-hmm. I I I knew they weren't going to be that good. <laughs> I I knew it. I knew it. Well. <laughs> Uh, Lucas Stradamus over here. Um, this one is absolutely directed for you, Lucas. Are you guys following the NBA playoffs at all? Do you believe Giannis and the Bucks have a chance to beat those Warriors, or do you see another final scenario happening? Good, good, uh, for, good first Lu- try pronunciation on Giannis. Lucas, you're good. This is all yours, pal. Uh, so 
Uh, it's funny because we're recording uh, at the time of this recording. When this episode comes out, it will be Friday. So everybody uh, listening will know who have won the game tonight. Um, I'm a huge Toronto. Excuse me. Oh, my God. I'm a huge Toronto Raptors fan. Mm. Um, and uh, will this series with Milwaukee, I guess to surmise it for you uh, as someone who hasn't been watching, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are quite possibly, uh, it's either between them and the Golden State Warriors, the best team in uh, the league. Okay. Uh, and the Toronto Raptors are in the Eastern Conference Finals, which is essentially as far as they've ever made it before. Uh, and they have the second or third best player, but they only have him. It's, his name's Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi they Leonard. only have him for this season. It's a one-season deal. Um, oh. So it is literally do-or-die time. Uh, they're down 2-1 in the series, and they're playing the Bucks tonight. Uh, you know, you need four to win. Um, they're playing the Bucks tonight in Toronto, so they have to win this game. Uh, it would be very, very bad for them to not win this game. It doesn't mean the series would be over, but it would be really horrible to lose one at home and then have to go to Milwaukee. So they really, truly do need to win this game. They won the last game in double overtime. Um and I haven't been this nervous to watch a basketball game since, like, 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like everybody listening right now uh, is, like, cackling at me from the future because <laughs> I am the, – the, at the time of recording this, it, the game is, like, in a matter of hours, uh, and I am so, so scared. <laughs> um, but I really, really do want the Raptors to win, and I really want them to win the series – uh, because then they'll be playing the Warriors, which are my other favorite team. And mm. how often do you get to see your two favorite teams play in the NBA Finals? It'll literally be a dream come true for me. Um, it's like the so, Seth yeah. Rollins and AJ Styles of the NBA Finals. It, 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 uh, that you could not have picked a better analogy. Uh, and uh, the this uh, this there's been high drama in this NBA playoffs. Uh, you know. With Damian Lillard versus Russell Westbrook in the first round. What a great series that was. I mean, Will, I'm sure you've seen the Kawhi Leonard's magical shot. Oh, yeah. A part, uh, a part of our heritage, that is. Yes. I was literally, like, running around my living room. <laughs> I, I that, that was, like, the same night as, like, uh, the second last Game of Thrones episode. I couldn't get to sleep till like, 2 a.m. I was so excited Jazz. for both of those things happening back to back. Like, I was just, like, <laughs> it was like I had just woken up. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, but, yeah, this has been a, a, a fun uh, playoffs next year is going to be really crazy. The league is going to be all turned around, but um, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel I, I, it's a kind of a cruel joke that I have to talk about this and everybody knows uh, everybody's either laughing at me or they feel really good for me because uh, they know how this game has already ended. Uh, so congrats to you in the future, I guess. <laughs> uh, so that one's from Danny. We have one more brief one from Norbert. Uh, who's going to have to hard disagree with your take, Lucas, on Muffy complaining about the Met Gala. Taking camp and making it bougie is 1,000% a Muffy crosswire move, so she'd completely support it. And that's <laughs> I don't all. even remember what I said, but I, I Norbert, I, I, I pro- you're probably right. Uh, yeah, and that's going to do it for our emails there. Thank you, everybody. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, we're ha- we're 30 minutes into this taping, so it's time to get this show on the road, but it wouldn't be much of a show without 
Caitlin Harrington, Chandra LaFave Bowden, Christine Wong, Christopher Ifill, Crescent Fresh, Dan Mike Dawson Silva. Had a good chat with him about YouTube poop on the Twitter. Emily K and Froppy, Gurjot Sangha, uh, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John DeLong and John Griswold, Kaylin Krogel, Kevin Noon, Leanne S., Light Relentless, Macy Ball, Passion Fruit Pavlova, who has been very active on the Discord, uh, Riley Stevens, Ross Ward, Sam Solero, Shayna Bennett, hey Shayna, and Stella and Teresa. Thank you for supporting Elwood City Limits, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. All right, let's do it. This is starting off with Ants. In Arthur's Pants. And uh, this is uh, another backdoor pilot for the Buster Zone, I'd say, this opening here. Yeah, I was, I'm glad you pointed that out because uh, I, I wrote down in my notes uh, big Twilight Zone vibes from this opening. But the opening is actually even crazier than that. Like, this opening is very funny. So Buster's, like, looking at ants. Okay, so first we see these ants, and they have high-pitched chipmunk voices. And yeah. then they start cooking, which whenever there's... Even when it's insect death, because the Arthur characters are anthropomorphized, it's always a little, like, weird. Because I always think back to the lice episode and how uh, dark the end of the lice episode is. But anyway, so these these ants start cooking, and then it's like, oh, Buster's like, look at these little ants. They look like people from up here. And then we get a uh, uh, sort of a, a zoom out from that, and it's uh, Arthur at a lookout looking down at Elwood City, and, and DW remarks, they all look like ants down there. And then we zoom out even further, and then it's ant aliens. Um, and then the very Twilight Zone uh, reveal is that they have an ant farm with people in it, which is extremely dark uh, and very cool, and uh, uh, I love this opening. It's uh, it's off the wall for sure, but it's uh, creative, no doubt. So it was kind of, it just immediately reminded me again of the Buster Zone. I feel like we we could get a pretty good, uh, we could get a pretty good spec script for the Buster Zone with all of the kind of magical realism we've had on this show. Listen, there's two types of Twilight Zone episodes. There's the one where the guy wakes up and everybody's different and he's the same. Uh, or he's different and everybody else is the same. <laughs> or there's the one where it's like the astronauts land on the planet and they find tiny people and the astronaut makes himself the king of the tiny people. And then he gets squished by a giant person. And I guess what I'm saying here is that the Twilight Zone is awesome and so the Buster Zone is awesome too. Uh, so the actual episode starts off with them in uh, watching a very dry uh, uh, video in the classroom. I feel like it's been a long time since we've had a classroom daydream scene. That feels like a real season one, season two kind of thing. And I also love it when a kid shows, you know, this is something that's so outside of our realm of pop culture of like the 1950s tutorial video. Uh, like even when we were growing up, like in the nineties, these were like so passe and like, you didn't actually see these in real life. Like, I don't, I know I never saw like a leave it to beaver style, old school reefer madness, informational video. Like they used to show all the time. I only know them from pop culture, but it's a joke. I always appreciate. Yeah. And so it's talking about how there is a system that great scientists use called pants which is patient, attentive, nosy, thoughtful, and systematic. Those are the five things that every, the five attributes that every great scientist has. And we see some ones throughout history as the kids begin to imagine themselves in it. We see uh, Mr. Ratburn, the talk of the hour, as Galileo. So we get to hear him put on an Italian accent. Oh my gosh, the accents in this dream bit are like fantastic. Like both, both, the, both the Galileo one and, uh, uh, oh, what is the... Uh... Gregor Gregor Mendel is the other one. Yeah, and Gregor Mendel looking like a McElroy brother here. 
Uh, but yeah, Arthur Holden, Ratburn's voice actor, really taking some of these, like, the German and the Italian voices for a bit of a walk. He's having fun. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, uh, Ratburn's voice actor sounds like he's having a lot of fun as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the entire point of this is that Ratburn offers everybody a month to do an extra credit project that demonstrates that they can use the pants system. Uh, d- Lucas, did you ever do, like, I'm not saying if you had them, if you had extra credit um, potential in elementary school, did you? would you have taken that potential? Because I don't think I ever did an extra credit project in my life. No, I am a chronic underachiever. Me too. And it just didn't seem like worth the effort. It's just like, ah, oh, my grades are fine. I don't need anything more than that. It's like, well, working's, like working's for suckers. And that's what <laughs> that's what I learned in school. Working is for suckers. Uh, so, but everybody, I ask because everybody seems really jazzed to be doing this extra credit project, even though it is completely optional. Uh, Francine's going to be doing like, uh, she's going to be trying to make her own rock candy. And the brain is going to be like studying, um like natural growths and stuff like that. I forget what the actual like word is. And uh, they kind of mock Arthur and Buster for not having any pants to which Arthur yells, we have plenty of pants. We also, we also get a little bit of a Simpsons gag here where Buster's like, Hey, we do so have pants. We're patient, attentive. Ooh, look at the monkey. <laughs> that, very, yeah. Very Simpsons. Very Homer, very Homer, especially. So they get distracted by the toy store window, and they see an ant farm, which they could probably use for a decent little uh, pants project. So they end up getting the uh, the ants here, and then we have a bit of a again talking about the Buster Zone. They're they're talking about like all the you know the how great their extra credit project will be when they get these ants, and we get this like musical number. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's a rough- odd. I wonder what this is a reference to. It kind of looks like Oklahoma. Maybe. Uh, but I don't know if it's a direct reference to it. But uh, I, as I said in uh, last week's episode, uh, any episode with a musical number is automatically better. So keep them coming. I guess. But this musical number, it's like I didn't – I'm not even sure I could, like, catch the tune of, like <laughs> – like, I couldn't get the melody here. It's ants Doesn't matter. Around. It's always a net positive for me. All right. It's ants walking around in farmer outfits talking about how they're wearing – they're ants and pants, and it's unusual, that's for sure. But, you know, it, it certainly wakes you up if you're, <laughs> you know, if you were half asleep watching this episode, and you're like, wait, what the, wait a second, what's going on? Um, so they do decide to buy the ant farm, uh, but they have to actually, they find out they have to send away for the ants separately, which ends up taking two weeks instead of one. We move into a whole new season. They were in winter at the beginning of the episode, and then we get into spring, and Buster reveals that he has a half a ham sandwich in his uh, pocket that is months old at this point. I was certain he was going to eat it right away, but he didn't. Yeah, it's true. I was surprised that he didn't eat it right away. Also, a bit of continuity here. Um, Buster mentions that he had it in his pocket from when they won that bowling tournament, which was literally just an episode or two ago. Uh, with with Francine running back and forth to the uh, bar mitzvah. That's right. Uh, uh, so the ants come in an envelope. It's funny. I recently ordered. Uh, I bought a pair of uh, Vans, uh, oh, yeah? and I like Vans old schools, but they had black laces, and I kind of wanted the white laces, so I ordered new laces off the Vans website. I assumed it would come in an envelope, like the one Arthur has. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sent a full cardboard box with nothing oh, in goodness. it but a pair of shoelaces. For goodness' sakes! 
Uh, but no, uh, the little tube that Arthur gets uh, that the ants come in in the envelope uh, mm-hmm. kind of looks like this one's for literally only people that live in Nova Scotia. But when you buy marijuana <laughs> from the NSLC, uh, the Nova Scotia Liquor Commission, that's the only place that can sell marijuana legally here in uh, Nova Scotia, um, they come in a tube just like that. <laughs> Interesting. I uh, I have yet to I have yet to purchase on my own, so uh, uh, I, <laughs> I cannot confirm that, but I believe you for sure. Uh, yeah. So they try to dump the ants into the farm, but they forget to read the instructions, which is that have an adult create a paper funnel to put them in. So they just end up spilling out and going uh, God knows where, and they only manage to get one ant in the entire farm, which DW names Penelope. Uh, DW is about to snitch on Arthur uh, for getting ants everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Buster freaks out. Great line from Buster. I got to go practice my asthma. <laughs> uh, and then the next. To say tuba. And then so, uh, but DW promises she won't tell mom and dad uh, if Arthur does whatever she wants. Uh, yes, exactly. And which is like reading a series of, of children's books to her. Uh, the ne- and then the next day, Buster just completely abandons Arthur. Uh, so Arthur is stuck with this ant project all in his own. And at this point, we get an ant infestation in the Reed House, which is uh, which really happened quite fast with not uh, not with only a few ants. But uh, you know, they're in the drawers, they're in the printer. There's a particularly disgusting one is when Dad is like uh, frosting a cake, and they come out of like the uh, the frosting tube. That was that was surprisingly disgusting. It was just like, oh, I don't, I don't like, I don't. Yeah, like there's there's, about it. there's a little bit of like arachnophobia, like not the not the concept, but the movie. Uh, like I thought it was pretty gross when uh, Arthur's mom is printing out tax forms and there's ants coming out of the printer. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of every horror story I've ever heard of. Like, oh, my Wi-Fi sucks, and they open up the router and there's bugs in the <laughs> router. <laughs> There's a Black Mirror episode for you. There's bugs in me router. There's, <laughs> ant, there's ants in me Wi-Fi router. <laughs> well, Blimey, well, there's, <laughs> there's ants in me iPhone, and me iPhone's evil. <laughs> that's Next not, season on Black that, Mirror. It's not, it's not that far off, so... We'll have to see when the new season comes out pretty soon. Oh, I got another one for you. Oh, these yeah. ants are robots in it. These ants is robots in it. I thought they <laughs> were living ants, but they're this, robots. This sounds, this sounds more Australian the longer that you kind of take it for a walk. <laughs> Which isn't bad. It's just it's, like, it's, all right. Hey, no worse or better than uh, uh, Mr. Rapper's Italian accent. <laughs> bring up bring up another 100 steel balls. <laughs> you're, 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 you're Mr. Rapper pretending to be Italian sounds like the Count from Sesame. Bleh, bring up 100 <laughs> more steel balls. One steel ball. Ah, 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 ah. ah. Uh, yeah, it's not, not the best. Um, so they uh, say that they have to get an exterminator for the ants. Uh, but um, this is, there are a couple points in this episode, but I think I'm ready to say I don't like DW's voice. Oh, interesting. So I was going to point out this part of this episode as a good you know, I, I, I've talked about this before. I love when um, the writers do this where 
they because it's always very clever how they get every single one of the characters in the Reed household invested in Arthur retrieving the ants for different reasons. Yeah. Um. So Arthur's parents are invested in him getting the ants back because obviously they don't want their houses to have an ant infestation anymore. So they sort of give him the ultimatum of like, okay, he's got to get the ants back or they're going to get called a exterminator. DW is invested in it because she's befriended Penelope, um, and she doesn't as she, to quote DW. Uh, she uh, uh, doesn't want uh, Penelope's friends and families to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, Buster is because it'll save Arthur. his project. Uh, sorry, Arthur, yes. Arthur is because it'll save his project. And so I, I thought it was... I always like it when they have all the characters sort of um, having a horse in the race, but for different reasons. I think that's a clever writing. Well, NDW threatened, I think, to make him read more books to her or something if Penelope's family dies. So he's just like, please, can I try... <laughs> so so they they undergo a couple of experiments to try and lure the ants out they try like laying out a picnic in the living room which surprisingly doesn't work i thought that was a pretty good idea but of course they they pretty much ate all the food before the uh, ants could get to it then they start putting out individual different types of food so like chili pizza broccoli to see which one attracts the ants i really do love how they felt the need to uh, label all the foods as if you couldn't tell by looking at them. It's just like for the audience's, uh, uh, for the audience's assistance of like, this is a piece of pizza. This is chili, all this kind of stuff. It's very, uh, it's very like Adam West Batman show. You think, you think so? Yeah. Cause in the Batcave, everything's labeled. Oh man, I haven't watched the old Adam oh West Batman God. forever. Will in the old Adam West Batman, if you go to the Batcave, every single one of their gadgets in big block letters <laughs> has like a giant sign in front of it of what it is. So it's like the utility belt has like a and it's like comically large has like a giant sign that says utility belt. And in the movie, in the made for TV movie of the Adam West Batman, there's a part where a shark is biting Batman and he uses shark spray to get mm-hmm. the shark off and that also has a, a similarly giant comically large label some days you just can't get rid of a bomb arthur is pretty dejected he like they tried everything and none of the food lured the ants uh so he's getting ready to say goodbye to penelope but then francine comes in because the whole episode she's been trying she has a jar of like essentially sugar and water uh, to try and make her rock candy and she finally managed to get a little jewel out of it so that's like weeks of hard work for her um, there's a point in the episode where D- where Arthur tries to use a clay sculpture of a queen ant to lure the ants out, but it doesn't work. So he kind of like balls it up, throws it over his shoulder. We we get the slow mo, no, as it hits Francine's jar and it shatters, and there goes all our hard work. But it's uh, ends up being effective because what lures the ants but sugar water. And there doesn't seem to, it seems to be a pretty small inf- ant infestation, all things considered, but I'm sure uh, no infestation is better than any at this point. So they use the sugar water to get all of the ants and dump them outside humanely, but Francine is pretty upset because that was her entire project. But- so, uh, fun story about this, I actually remember this episode from my childhood, and this is what taught me that ants were attracted to sugar water. And uh, it's given me a joke that I use in my back pocket every once in a while where when I see someone go to a Tim Hortons and order a triple-triple, I give them the sick burn that, uh, oh, that's what they use to catch ants. 
because their coffee is so sugary. Mm. So that's a, that's a that's a little window in what it's like to be a friend of Lucas Mancini. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, it's great. <laughs> Uh, so at the end, Francine and Arthur actually team up because as they say, as Arthur says, your pants helped me discover my pants. NDW is completely confused by this. Why eight, why eight year olds care about pants. Uh, so they end up teaming up. They put their projects together and assumedly get the extra credit. And the end of the episode is also Buster and Brain teaming up because, uh, Brain was able to find like some, uh, hardcore molds in Buster's ham sandwich. Yeah, if Buster ate that sandwich, he probably would, you know, undergo significant damage. Yeah, so hopefully he didn't, but you can't put anything past him. You just never know. And now, a word from us kids. And now, a word from us kids. Uh, This word from us kids I could tell was going to be good from the jump. Because it's got uh, because, it's got the, the little kid squinting in the title card. Yeah, little kid doing the DreamWorks face IRL <laughs> at a plant in the title card, and I was like, this, "This squint is like I don't think I can squint like this right now." And I'm an adult. Like this kid's got a meds face control. He's got uh, a, he's, he's got a real mean mug. Smash cut to what's my favorite part of word from us kids will it's the 90s fashion smash oh, up yeah. cut to a kid wearing a jets jersey followed by a kid wearing a, sho- a red Sox jersey sprinting excitedly out of a school i was like all right we're in for a good word from us kids um do, i don't know any i don't know very much about sports um do, do you have a guess as to who that jets jersey might like whose jets jersey that might be Ooh, no, I have I I really don't know football that well. You can see the back of the the Red Sox t-shirt though. It's a long name. It looks like I don't know much about baseball either. I really am uh I I don't know what that name is, but it's number 5 on the Red Sox. I don't know. Um but yeah, it's some good, you know, uh uh that kind of area new england massachusetts new york state sports teams representation 90s fashion that's what we love to see from word from us kids we get more of the squinting kid looking at that plant like really really intently Mm. um and yeah the kids are surveying around the school they're conducting research they're they're using pants this assignment's a little too open-ended for my liking it's just like Go outside and look at things and tell me what you see. Like, oh, they're being creative. Yeah, it, it, that is true. That is true. It's just uh, y- you can't do that to me now, me, <laughs> the thirty-year-old man, essentially. But like, it's just like, ah, eh, this is why I don't like GTA. It's too open-ended. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if any of the kids had the same opinion. But um, I get. But uh, I guess this is just like Grand Theft Auto. But I guess I'm just not creative enough. Maybe that's why. Anyway, I'll, I'll also say that one kid's picture of a dandelion for his age. These are young kids. It's mm. a pretty good picture of a dandelion. When I was that kid's age, I would definitely not be able to draw a dandelion that well. Uh, specifically, but, the kid who draws the white one. But dandelion spelled with two words, D-A-N-D-Y-L-I-O-N. So, haha, gotcha, kid. I can <laughs> spell better than you. Uh, this is how I feel good about myself. <laughs> anyway, not much else to say about that. It was, it was whatever. I'll just say that I'm glad that the videos we're watching have a word from us kids in them again. I, I, yeah. I really, I really like word from us kids. I'm kind of sad we missed like three seasons of them because I always, it's, it's just fun to talk about for me. I don't know why, but it's a fun, quick reprise. 
Yeah, for sure. I'm glad it's I'm glad it's back too. It's a little something different to talk about every now and then. And before we get into the second half of this episode, here's a little word from us. Hi there, Elwood City Limits listener. Just a quick note here from your buddy, your pal, Will Young, that this show is supported by all of you listeners just like you by the following ways. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Instagram at Elwood City Limits. Drop us a line on social media. We'd love to hear from you and give us a like, a heart, whatever it is. Email elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can get your email read here on the air. Just send it to us and uh, let us know what you think of the episode, of the show, of anything in particular that we might have talked about or that's on your mind. And you can find the podcast by going to elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com. And you can find it at your local podcast provider. Now, if the show is not on a service that you use all the time and you'd like to change that, make sure to drop us a line and we will get it on there as soon as possible. All right, let's get back to the episode now, already in progress. And we're back. This is Don't Ask Muffy, uh, the second Muffy-centric episode in a row. But it doesn't start off with her. It starts off with Arthur and Buster eating uh, Chinese takeout in the cold open and uh, Arthur being a bit skeptical of the fortunes and fortune cookies. But of course, Buster has a drawer full of fortune cookie fortunes that he keeps and checks off whether or not they have come true. I must have told you the story about I used to be I'd know this guy who worked at a wholesaler and for my birthday uh, I really like fortune cookies mm. um, and not for the ceremonial or uh, you, you, you just think they're tasty yeah not not for the uh, occult aspects but because <laughs> I think they're delicious uh, and I, I think I'm actually in the minority quite a bit with that opinion I feel like I don't know many other people that really like fortune cookies uh, yeah. anyway this guy knew I liked fortune cookies so for one birthday they got me a um, like a wholesaler box of fortune cookies, like the one that's supposed to be sent to the Chinese restaurant. Right, um, yeah. So it was like so filled with fortune cookies, I could like stick my whole arm in it and it would be like completely <laughs> oh, engulfed. Oh, baby. Uh, so that summer, I, it took me all summer to eat them all, but I would just, uh, I left it at my friend's house and I would just, every time I went over, I would just like eat handfuls of fortune cookies, not even looking at the fortunes at that point. I um, was just like throwing them to the side. So my my whole life was probably predestined in that summer. Um, from all the uh, uh, discarded fortunes uh, that I was laying about, just like stuffing my face with fortune cookies. Sweet, that sounds pretty good. Fortune cookies are are, are good enough, and I feel like if I had a big box of them, that would be pretty dope. Um, so Buster's talking about how, of course, he believes in the fortunes and fortune cookies because do you know what? Do you know the people, the lengths that people will go to for advice? They'd climb high mountains in Tibet, which Buster does in a. Uh, a quick little dream sequence here where he finds a monk sitting atop a uh, frozen uh, Tibetan peak, but Buster forgets his Tibet to English dictionary so you can't understand him. Uh, or they uh, they read self-help books, which this was this was pretty funny. It's a Buster goes to a bookstore on how to be a better comedian. And the books that the choices for books are comedy for dopes comedy for imbeciles and comedy for complete and utter dodos <laughs> tag yourself i'm comedy for dopes no this was a very funny joke i forgot like the advent of the uh something for dummies 
uh, uh, I thought this was good. And also, if you're looking to uh, for an actual good book about uh, learning how to be a stand-up, I recommend Born Standing Up by Steve Martin. It's an excellent book. Nice. Did you use that before you uh, went on stage uh, uh, when you were younger? I mean, not to get too much into the story, but uh, it was at, when I was younger and I was going on stage, uh, a, a comedian who was in Picnic Face, uh, uh, Bill Wood, uh, actually gave me the copy of Born Standing Up, and he told me that wow. I should read it, and he said, after I read it, I should always give it to someone else, because uh, it meant a lot to him, and he said, it, that's, the, that's just what you're supposed to do with that book. Um, so, yeah. That's fantastic. What, that's that's a great story if you live in Halifax. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah. It's, I, not the most seeker-sensitive episode after all, I, I guess. No, but I guess, no. hey, the regional humor, it's a part of the show, folks. Yeah, and if, and if you don't like it, well, you don't have to keep listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it, I get um, And uh, you could also go to a psychiatrist, which uh, Buster is recounting a dream where I think he was, like, chasing after a giant donut or something. Something yeah, like that. I- I uh, again the the psychiatry humor uh, much like for dummies I feel like is a very advent of the early two thousands very yeah. Doctor Katz I feel like we've, yes we've yeah. kind of moved away from the psychiatry how does that make you feel humor Fra- Frazier that kind of yeah. stuff uh, so oh, well speaking of Frazier well remind me to bring up Frazier again uh, later oh on sure in the sure uh, so the actual episode begins with the Frensky Star which somehow survived massive scandal. Uh, and is still uh, printing, but actual news this time, like the Sugar Bowl gets new awning and is also a printing and advice column by Muffy called Ask Muffy because, of course, she is the uh, the number one bankroller for the Frensky star. She pays for all the copies. So, But the problem is, is that she can't really get anybody, hasn't gotten anybody to uh, send her any uh, questions in order to give them advice. Like her first one is, what do you get your like your limo driver or your butler for his birthday? Uh, so not not exactly relatable content. We also see Binky stuffing tree branches into his locker. Yeah, this and- was a like um, they actually pay off this gag later in the episode. But in this moment, I was like, oh my, like this is hilarious. What is Binky doing? It was very funny. Uh, this. Just like Binky, why do you have branches in your locker? Just like, would you want to make something out of it? Like, just getting immediately defensive. That was great. Um, w- uh, later on, Arthur, Buster, and Binky are kind of talking. They're talking about the letter that Muffy obviously sent to herself about what he gets your butler for his birthday, but it was signed anonymous. And we actually get a reference here. This is a bit of a deep cut. Uh, Binky goes anonymous. Is that that red-haired kid in the second grade? He's referring to Aloysius Zimmerplatz, who oh my was, goodness. was only named in the DW's library card episode for having a he, ridiculous name. I think he uh, specifically calls him that geek second grader with <laughs> red hair. Well, he's uh, got he, he's he's got him dead to rights there. <laughs> in Aloysius, the... Aloysius Zimmerplatz, kind of a geek, kind of a geek. Um, there's also a great little animation touch here where it's like, uh, you know, Arthur's just kind of like, what kind of advice, like, could you answer Muffy? And he like points at her. And then like, we see in the next shot, it's a shot of Muffy as she like pushes his hand down to get it out of her face. I don't know. That's just kind of, I thought that was a really good touch. Uh, it, it, uh, made the scene feel a little bit more alive, but the takeaway from here is that Binky realizes that he can send in a question to Muffy's advice column and not have to give his name. Uh, because it seems that he has a bit of a problem 
And at this point, we also see Buster becoming Muffy's assistant. Okay. Because, uh, yeah. This is a good time to talk about this. I love the dynamic. And you see more of this throughout this episode, especially when they're like hiding in the bushes. But I love the dynamic of Buster as Muffy's lackey. I think this is like a great... Um, like, for lack of a better analogy, like, Dr. Frankenstein, Igor, like, I just, I love the dynamic of, like, and I mean, we saw a little bit of this seasons and seasons ago when, remember when Muffy was trying out new friends and uh, she tried to go shopping with Buster? But I yes. feel like Muffy and Buster, it's similar to, like, Francine in the Brain. I loved all those Francine in the Brain episodes. Mm-hmm. Um or uh, uh, Fern with Buster as well is a great combo. But Muffy with Buster, I feel like, is an underused combo. Like, they're very funny together. Yeah, it's a real kind of slobs versus snobs dynamic. Or like where... Picky in the Brain. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Except except neither of them are particularly bright. I so know. <laughs> one, one, just, one just thinks she is. Um, so Buster becomes her assistant because she thinks that she might review, like, some like expensive Parisian chocolates, which Buster's happy to help with. He says, I can type 10 words a minute and can start immediately. <laughs> uh, so, which just ends up with him lounging on Muffy's bed, eating chocolates while she tries to think of something uh, to write on her orange laptop, by the way, thought that was cool. Like yeah. a real bright, real bright orange laptop. Th- then, Oh boy, we get a, we get a name drop here to Muffy because she has, Grand designs for this advice career. She wants to be the next Hopra Linseed. That's so right. we have we have again. We're this is really the early two thousands joke trifecta. Yeah, uh, remember it, remember remember when Oprah Winfrey jokes were in? Yeah, uh, you get a car. Uh, you get a car. Uh, you get an early two thousands joke because we have a combination of again in quick succession. We have four dummies. Uh, how does that make you feel? Uh, and then Dr. Phil uh, being made fun of, which is being like, called Dr. Phil. Like, yeah. like she redresses him as Dr. Phil in this like fantasy thing where Muffy's imagining what would it be like if she had the Muffy show. And the, it's, the, it, the Venn diagram here of um, of like jokes that would be in scary movie, like one of the early scary movie films. <laughs> and this Arthur episode is like a circle at this point. Yeah, you're right about that because it's 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 Muffy doing the Oprah shtick where it's just like, and and Doctor Phil they're just be just being like, are you gonna be ready to remodel your home? And just this woman like breaking down in tears, and Muffy comforting her and just like everybody's gonna get a free makeover next week, so she thinks it's gonna be all glitz and glamour. She wants to be the next Oprah Linseed. So interesting way around that name. Um. As they're there, and as Muffy is kind of having this uh, imagination, uh, they actually get an email from uh, somebody who is having a problem in terms of inviting their friends to their ballet recital. So we already know who that is. As we go to the next scene, Binky is terrorizing George at outside, uh, saying, you want to give me the cupcake or wear the cupcake? It's not I, bad. That's 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 a pretty... That's intimidating. Uh, but he tells him and Jenna to scram because uh, Muffy almost outs him in front of everybody because Binky's like, no, I put that down as anonymous uh, or as Muffy says, a ninny mouse. <laughs> but of course, Muffy saw his email address, which uh, scrub move Binky. That's a real novice mistake. Th- there's a there's a really funny exchange here where 
it's like, did you? Muffy's like, did you like my advice? And he's like, no, I can't move to Baltimore. <laughs> to which Muffy is like, but there's a wonderful ballet there. They're calling it the Seattle of the North or wherever Baltimore is in the States. And which made me think, you know, the time kind of lines up a little bit. Maybe Muffy's watching The Wire. Ooh, I don't think the wire is why people were calling Baltimore the Seattle of the North, though, however. But uh, I the, meant, wi- the, but wi- I... the wire doesn't really show um, the uh, the city's thriving art community. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's very true. But it would have been on people's minds a lot more. So maybe Mr. Crosswire is watching the wire and just talking about all the used car lots I can open up in Baltimore. Yeah, and, and as long uh, as I get as long as I get McNulty and Buck off my case. And yeah, all the used car lots in Bodymore Murderland. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh man, I've never heard of that before. Oh, it's Body- in, it's it's in the it's in the it's in the intro of the wire. They like it's graffiti on a wall. But Bink- Binky says that he actually got way better advice from somebody else and is taking their advice instead of Muffy's. So she and Buster do a little bit of uh, sneaking in order to find out who it is uh, that's giving this advice that's apparently better than Muffy's. And it turns out it's uh, who whoever it is. They're at the skate park and. Uh, with Jenna asking, is it badminton or badminton? It's badminton, by the way. You do pronounce the N. Badminton is like if your gloves aren't working properly. Now, uh, that's not the advice uh, Jenna gets, though, because the mysterious... Uh, it's Molly, by the way. You can tell it's Molly. Uh, the Very mysterious easy. advice giver uh, tells her that it doesn't really matter as long as she like keeps up with it. It doesn't matter what she calls it. By God, that's AJ Styles' music. Uh, excuse me, no, it's Molly. You're right. It's Molly from the Tough Customers, who, uh, as she go as she goes on to tell uh, uh, Buster and Muffy, kind of fell backwards into this giving kids advice thing. And I I do like how she calls them kids, even though she's like a year older than them. I will say this though, uh, it's been a while since we've seen Molly in an episode having a bigger role. I forgot how much Molly rules. Molly's, Molly's awesome. Molly's the coolest, dude. Molly's so cool. Especially, like, I feel like since we've last checked in with, like, a big Tough Customers episode, like, I, I, we've had appearance, appearances from them here and there, but the last time they were, like, the main feature in an episode was, like, over a year ago. And I feel like since then, like, the 90s have come back in such a big way, like, uh, that Molly has only gotten cooler with time. Big time. And she's so different from all the other characters because, of course, you, she's got the um, she's got the hair over her eyes so she you can't see her. She's skateboarding, and she's got a very laid-back attitude. She's wearing all denim. It's very in and, like, immediately strikes a difference between every other character of Arthur. It's like she looks like she's 18, but she's, like, 9, which is oh my the God. funniest Later part Later on, we get to see Molly's room that's, like, a basement, like, teenager room yeah. and it reminds me of like like when i was like a little kid and like my babysitter's friends and i'm like this is like or like you go to a friend's house they have a cool older brother who like and you're like this is the coolest room i've ever seen in my life yeah so uh, molly's pretty nonchalant about it all she actually it's starting to get on her nerves a little bit that everybody's coming to her for advice but muffy is uh desperate to try and figure out why everybody likes molly and not her so muffy decides to do a bit of a makeover she goes to Disc City, which is the local CD shop, and she tells the clerk to get her the kind of music a grimy skateboarding fourth grader would listen to. I love now, the if- idea of, like, um, a Muffy listening to, like, Anima of the State. 
Yes. Or, excuse me, enema or, of the enema of the state. Uh, or or basically just saying like, hey, get me all of the albums that were on the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two soundtrack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is essentially. I want to. I want to picture Muffy listening to Lithium. You know what I mean? Uh, like. Um, and we get Su- a bunch Superman of Superman by Goldfinger. We we get a bunch of in quick succession fake albums. Um, yes, and I love it when they do stuff like this. This is just a joy. This is actually really cool, and it's like shows that they were paying attention to what was going on at the time because it's like all these albums in like a quick montage that we're seeing over this pretty decent punk riff that they're playing. Uh, so I did write down a couple of them. It's it you really have to see it because. It's the images of the albums that uh, make them notable as well. But there's uh, with names like K, uh, like there's one called like K O Y, I think, which has like an alien on it. Which aliens were very big in early two thousands design. Yes. Uh, there's one that's just I, a- I, I, I I have seen the poster that tells the the alien is kindly asking, "Take me to your dealer," <laughs> and it's like, oh. <laughs> Or like Alienware computers were. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, there's an album cover that is just like a tomato going down a wall, um, but then there's other actual names like uh, Board Stiff, which is like in, like skateboard B O A R D, Spiders from Jars, and the Stinkers. Spiders wonder, from Jars actually a great band name. I wonder if any of these are like actual references to real bands. I was trying to think of that, uh, but like. Um, none of, none, uh, like I it, none of them like uh rang a bell. The closest I could get is like Spiderland by Slint, but I I highly doubt that Spires from Jars is a reference to that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm not sure, but it it really did fit in the aesthetic that they were thinking of because I think you and I were at least um aware of skateboarding culture in the late '90s, early 2000s, and this is very much. Uh, did that very well, like a very good kids pastiche of what that was at the time. It's which is probably uh, so. Muffy goes through this entire makeover. She puts her hair over her eyes like uh, Molly does, and she's completely shocked. She wears all the same clothes uh, and tries to learn how to skateboard. There's also a great shot of her like listening to all of her punk albums at home and like literally she starts to scream like it's causing her physical pain to listen to punk uh because she wants to be like molly because she figures as long as she looks like her then she'll be as good at giving advice but she hurts herself from using her trying to use a skateboard so much that she goes over to molly's house to concede defeat but Molly, uh, very, very level-headed, just kind of takes her in and essentially tells her that uh, uh, the reason that she's so good at giving advice is because Molly listens to people, which is the cornerstone of giving good advice. In fact, Molly cites Hopra Linseed's book in uh, how she how she kind of came across that. Uh, this is where we do see uh, Molly's basement room, also very cool. <laughs> beanbag beanbag chair yeah uh malt like psychedelic rug no guitar Mo- amp molly molly's ratty room. couch molly's room is so cool <laughs> I, it's, <laughs> I don't have much more to add it's just awesome it's the a look and i a, wish i had it's a look and a half it reminds me of like when around this time i was way into like bubble furniture like oh. blow up furniture. I wanted See, to. I, I'm a little bit younger than you, but I remember my babysitters, like who were like 14, having a bunch of bl- blow up furniture. It's very, 
Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. And it was the coolest thing at the time. I also really wanted a beanbag chair so badly because I remember I went to, to my cousins in America one time and like sat in a beanbag chair and it changed my life. <laughs> I, I realize now I don't think I've sat in a beanbag chair in like 15 years. It's been too long, but uh, they're not really in style anymore. Yeah, I don't even know where one would acquire one besides Amazon. No, not at all. So uh, Muffy kind of does uh, pick up on that a little bit. I don't think she has a complete change of heart or anything. And then as she's leaving, she gives Molly, like she dares to give Molly advice on like, you should wear like wear your hair up, girlfriend, and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, all right, don't mess with Molly's success here, Muffy. Like, don't... Uh, don't don't knock it here just because it doesn't work for you it's clearly working for molly and the episode ends with everybody at binky's recital and all of all of the main cast are there including molly um and (laughs) uh muffy who is dressed up in a very stylish barrette and a nice jacket and skirt uh has mrs barnes pass a hair clip over to molly and she kind of puts her hair back but we don't actually get to see her face so it's a little bit mysterious as Binky uh, is playing a tree in this ballet that he's in. That's pretty much that's pretty much the end of that episode. So let's go into let's go into wrap up here. This is uh, uh, these were two interesting episodes. I will also say we got a quick email here from Ian Collis, who just wanted to add his two cents. Uh, both very okay episodes where not much happens, but serve as good lessons for kids. Um, so let's see what we think. Uh, Lucas, Ants and Arthur's Pants, how did that strike you? I uh, really liked Ants and Arthur's Pants. I thought, um, I mean, initial impressions was I was not bored at any moment, like very fast-placed episode that kind of, um, the stakes keep changing, which I like, so it kept me engaged. Like, at first, it's like, okay, we gotta find a project. And then it's like, okay, we're gonna order these ants. And it's like, we're waiting for the ants to come in. And it's like, okay, the ants came in, but we don't have any ants, so we have to order more ants. Um, like, we have the ant farm, but no ants. And so then they order the ants, and then the ants get loose, and then they gotta get the ants back, and then... Uh, he doesn't have a project, and then he makes the project. It's like, because the stakes kept changing, uh, it kept getting me engaged. I thought it was a very funny episode. I thought it was an episode with some weird moments, which I always enjoy. Um, and I thought it was an episode with not an overt moral, but um, I love anything that's, you know, teaching kids to be curious. Um, and sort of having that sort of, that that theme of, uh, you know, science is sort of the art of curiosity, and so you should always have a curious mind. Um, some good Buster lines in the episode. Buster does his man dirty in Ants and Arthur's Pants. It's a real top ten anime betrayals when uh, Buster just decides to, like, duck out on Arthur and his project. But, uh, yeah, all in all, and, and again, I talked earlier about how I like the writing of sort of uh, the, getting every family member engaged in the ant hunt in that Arthur not only wants his project to succeed, but he doesn't want to have to read all those books to DW. DW wants to save the ant's family, and uh, Arthur's parents want the ants out of the house. So all those together, plus the really weird opening, I really liked our ants and Arthur's fans. All right. I wasn't as high on it as uh, as you are. I mean, I guess I thought it was okay. It didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, but, you know, it's not bad or anything like that. It's just kind of... Eh, I, 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 do, I do think that by the end, I do like how they very subtly came around to the idea of Arthur using pants through all the experiments that he did. So that that was kind of cool to see that progression of things. Um, but it just kind of felt like, 
yeah, we're, we're not, the, st- the stakes were pretty low for this one. They don't always have to be high or anything, but my interest level was uh, not super high either. Not a bad episode by any means, but uh, yeah, you know, just kind of kind of didn't do a whole lot for me personally. Um, don't ask Muffy. Uh, I I did like I did like quite a bit better, and I will say I think I wouldn't like it as much if Molly wasn't in the episode. I we really got to see. I, f- I find it really funny how. You and I, we both really like the tough customers, like even individually. There's uh, Binky, there's Rattles, and there's Molly, and we all like them for very different reasons. And Molly's just like super cool and I think a really underutilized character. So it was cool to see for them to use her as uh, kind of Muffy's foil here. And it's very one-sided as well. It's like basically... Muffy, it's like Muffy's like Eric Bischoff, and Molly's like Vince McMahon, who doesn't like <laughs> notice her, who doesn't notice Muffy at all. And Muffy's like, I must bring you down, <laughs> and it's just not. Um, I I do, and I do think the idea of Muffy being a very um, kind of what's the word I'm looking for, like j- just wanting to be a very pompous advice giver and having people go to her as like an authority. And like wanting that power is very much in Muffy's character. So I thought that was a really interesting idea to go with. And kind of like in Muffy Goes Metropolitan, it works because we're not really supposed to be on Muffy's side. And all the stuff that she's doing is not like actively making anybody's life worse. It's actually making her life worse. So when Muffy's the butt of the joke or when people aren't really paying that much attention to what she's doing or saying, I think it really works. I also uh, really... Uh, like- especially her working with Buster this episode. They're like yes. a pair of lovable doofuses. Yeah, for very different reasons. And I think you made a really good point about uh, how that works as a, as a double act. And I think that's a good point. I would really like to see them do it more. Um, so it's not like the best, but I, I liked this. And again, a Muffy episode that I genuinely liked. I think, uh, we're, we see all kinds of, uh, stereotypes being bucked in uh, season seven. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, not only did I like ants and Arthur's pants, I really liked don't ask Muffy so far. I'm a big fan of uh, the offerings in season seven, certainly more than the start of season six. Uh, But yeah, much like yourself, I I liked Don't Ask Muffy even more. Um, Like I said earlier on in the episode, loved the dynamic between Buster and Muffy. Um, And I loved all, I like the idea of Muffy sort of being a Dear Abby type. I loved uh, the idea of Biggie being like embarrassed and not knowing what anonymous is and being in a ballet and where he has to bring his own shrubbery and put it in his locker. Um, and yeah, of course the star of the show being Molly. Um, but also like Muffy undergoing a like nineties grunge transformation to become more like Molly was like, I already like, uh, makeover scenes and movies like Josie and the Pussycats or, or Clueless a- anyway, uh, let alone having it be like a makeover scene to be like a cool skater kid. This was awesome. I was a big fan. I love the music that plays during that part and all the fake albums and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, all the Muffy... Uh, Molly's characterization, it's more than just a cool factor too where it's just like, oh, the character's cool because they dress cool and the aesthetic is so on point. It's also like 
the, the some of the stuff she says in the episode is like okay so like uh you have to listen to people to give good advice and the way she like sort of talks to the kids where she's not really talking down to them but you can tell she doesn't like hang out with them because they're younger i don't know i thought it was really well done and and she's written different than all the other characters and it shows um also she's got a great line uh where she says uh you can't be successful at something you're totally lame at uh, yeah, wh- wh- yeah. Which you can kind of turn around and say, you know, don't focus on your negatives. Focus on your positives. Focus on what you're good at. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, I I really really liked this episode, and I actually really liked both these episodes as a pair. Good, I'm glad. Um, and you're right. And Molly is such a chill personality. She's not like a loud character or like a broad stereotype. Uh, so she's a really interesting kind of flavor to have in the mix um i will also say i think it's under i think it goes underrated with the arthur writing staff that a lot of them understand the culture that they're in better than a lot of other shows do sometimes like their their brief flirtation with like skating culture and alternative music in the early 2000s was actually pretty good like a pretty good um like takeoff on those types of things so whereas other shows would kind of try to do skateboarding stuff and like get it completely wrong. I thought this was actually more in the right direction than it wasn't. So big props to them for that. And that's going to do it here. We're uh, getting ready to cap off this monumental episode of Elwood city limits. I say monumental cause this is like the longest we've done in a while. Well, I mean, there was a lot to talk about. It's not every, so, it's not every week that Arthur ends up trending on Twitter. So we have to capitalize. Certainly. And uh, wherever wherever you are, we hope you're uh, we hope you're good. We hope you're okay, And uh, we hope that your week is going great. And if it's not, maybe uh, next week will be better. We just got to keep trying and uh, keep keep uh, as positive as we can. And we will always try to do that here. And uh, with Arthur, it's not that hard. Next time here on Elwood City Limits. By the way, um, if you haven't listened to our Detective Pikachu review yet, that is up on Patreon. Very happy with the response to that one and uh, and how that came out. I will also say here, in case we haven't made it clear on the uh, main f- show, that our next goal is at 40 patrons. I think currently we're at 26, so we upped the next goal a little bit because, to be honest... I'm not particularly enthused about doing this goal, but we opened up the uh, we opened up the floodgates with Detective Pikachu, so I felt it was only fair if we get to 40 patrons uh, in the next few months, we will go see Sonic the Hedgehog, Woo! and we will do we will do a review podcast about that as well. And hey, if you want to listen to our Detective Pikachu review, I think it's really fun to listen to. I think it's yeah. a good review of that movie. Uh, become a Patreon subscriber, and in doing that, not only do you get to hear the Detective Pikachu and all the past filibusters, uh, but you're going to get to he- help us towards the goal of making Will sit through Sonic the Hedgehog. Woo! Woo. Gotta go fast. We should also start thinking about maybe this summer we want to do another commentary, which will be, uh, uh, which will be free. But then that means the currently the commentary that's currently up at SoundCloud.com/slash Elwood City Limits will be going into the Patreon archives. Uh, so we'll have to start thinking about maybe which Arthur special to uh, do a commentary for. I know that we've got some to choose from, and uh, uh, it's just a matter of figuring out what's next. Well, what's next here on Elwood City Limits the next time we're with you for a full episode? It's going to be To Tibble the Truth and Waiting to Go. Waiting to Go is one that a couple of people have been looking forward to us uh, doing. They've been like, oh, Waiting to Go. That's one of the better ones this season. So you better be right or 
I'm holding you accountable, personally <laughs> responsible. My name is Will Young. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. Again, we hope that you're all good and we love you. And for Lucas Mancini. Eight-year-olds care about the weirdest things. <laughs> that man, you know, you say that out of context and whether in or out, that is absolutely true. And we will see you next time.